Before we get started today, we just want to let you guys know we are going to be discussing the topic of lust from a biblical perspective, so we will certainly not be uh, crude in any way or inappropriate in any way, but we do want to just let you know that this uh, topic and the conversation that we're about to have and the questions we're about to answer might be uh, a little bit inappropriate for some children that you have, so you be the judge of it and maybe pause the podcast, shoo your kids away, and then uh, listen in. So we hope that this is helpful for you. Here we go. You're listening to the Grace Church Conversations podcast, a weekly resource to help you apply Sunday to Monday. I'm Jared. And I'm Craig. And we're here with Caleb. Hi, Caleb. Hey, guys. It's good to be here. Caleb, tell us, who are you? What makes you tick? And and why should people care that you're on this podcast? I mean, I, I care greatly. I, I don't want you to feel like you have to... Uh, market yourself. So that came well, out a little bit weird. I, th- I thought you guys were asking me to be part of this conversation because uh, sort of known as the sexual guru, but... Uh, <laughs> oh, boy. Yeah. Is that appropriate yeah. for that? Not only should kids not be listening to this, I would say no adults should yeah. be listening to this. Oh, my goodness. Well, yeah. Caleb Wilkinson is a pastor on staff here at Grace Church, and so we asked him to join us because uh, we're going to be discussing, you know, just... Uh, the topic of lust uh, that we tackled two weeks ago on Sunday morning, uh, and Caleb is leading our freedom groups. Uh, so we're happy to have you here, man. Super excited to have you Absolutely. join us. Absolutely. Thanks uh, for coming, Caleb. Thanks for allowing me to be part of it. Cool. Well, before we dive into uh, the serious uh, nature of today's topic, I just wanted to point out the fact that it's now Christmas time. And yes, isn't is. that just wonderful? Most wonderful time of the year. It, it is. <laughs> and I woke up and I imagined there was snow on the ground, although I knew there was none. We do. And it brought joy Texas. to my heart. Yeah. yeah. And I was curious to you guys, what is something that you're looking forward to doing this Christmas season? Maybe it's a tradition. Maybe it's something you have your mind set on. Like, I can't wait to do this because when I do this, it feels like Christmas. Well, uh, one of ours is uh, we're still creating traditions for our family. So on... Saturday, we made an advent wreath. Uh, wow, no way. Nice. We lit, lit the first candle oh, cool. um, on Sunday uh, with our kids, so they're real excited about it. Yeah. Uh, we're not very crafty in my home, so uh, this was a big, big deal. We made something. Oh, that's that really sounds neat. great. I'm excited to, you know, that's sitting as our centerpiece of our. Uh, dinner table. So and, is that uh, is that the kind of deal? It has like uh, four pink candles and then one purple one or white one or yeah, I, can't remember I what think the our is. yeah three purple, uh, pink and a white in the middle. Yeah. So we'll light light them up. Uh, new one every Sunday. Oh, and, that's uh, fun. Yeah, very so cool. So we'll do a little devotional with our kids uh, around that. That's, that's great. I'm excited yeah, about that. That's great. That's awesome. How about you, Craig? Well, uh, that is not something I'm looking forward to, but that's a memory. We did that with our kids when they were young. Uh, So we're at the stage of life now where uh, our kids are grown, but now we have grandkids. So we just Mm. had our third was born a couple weeks ago. So that's exciting. So probably one thing I look forward to after having older kids in the house is now having younger ones and the thrill of giving them gifts and uh, that sort of thing. You know, uh, it's going to be fun just watching them. Uh, enjoy new things this Christmas. I mean, it's probably a pretty secular answer, but uh, well, not nearly I'm as godly as his answer. <laughs> so, well, honestly, the uh, Advent wreath, I'm just talking about the Legos. So I'm going, I'm going to go with Legos. That's my answer. I would say that's what I was thinking for myself, but I, I don't have anything nearly as meaningful as you guys. I'm just excited to, to make homemade eggnog. That is good. I, you yeah. know, it's super spiritual. It's very meaningful for the season. Just, you know, it's it's right up there with that Advent uh, wreath that you guys yep, made. Yeah. So. There you go. That's uh-huh. great. I'm looking forward to that. Cool. Great. 
Well, uh, as uh, I'm going to tear myself away from the Christmas conversation because it just lights me up. But here we go. Let's uh, jump into uh, the topic for today. So uh, we've been walking through uh, the Sermon on the Mount in our series called The Good Life. And uh, two weeks ago, Craig, you, you preached on Matthew 5, 27 through 30 uh, on Jesus's words on lust. And we received some really good questions in response, I think, uh, yeah, I, I think it really resonated with people and got them thinking. Um, so is it cool with you guys if we just walk through these few questions? Let's do it. All right, let's do it. Okay, let's this first it. one, which I really relate to. Okay, so our culture is permeated with over-sexualization. Um, you know, how the heck do we stay on the path of sexual morality uh within Jesus Christ when every single movie, song on the radio, billboard, television advertisement, um, all of it seems to be centered on sexual immorality and lustful temptation. Uh, it's almost to the point where you can't even go to a PG-13 movie without some type of reference or image that centers on lust. So here's the question, which this is a really good question. Do we cut it off the way Jesus was talking about metaphorically in the Sermon on the Mount? It seems harder and harder to enjoy anything anymore because we're constantly being bombarded with sex and lust everywhere we go. Well, that's a good question. <clears throat> you know, um, I think the scripture anticipates that because we're not the first culture that has um, been steeped in immorality. I mean, certainly in the New Testament and Corinth, we studied the book of Corinthians and Corinth, obviously sexual immorality there was uh, probably on display even more than here in some ways. I mean, part of worship was engaging with a prostitute for the pagans in the city there. You know, um, there were temple prostitutes as part of the actual worship service. So we don't have anything like that going on, but we do certainly have a culture that's awash in, um, in um, sexuality. And I think, you know, it's a great question. How do you deal, what, how, what do you sort of cut off, so to speak? How do you restrict yourself? I don't think it'll be the same for everyone. Uh, I don't think everyone is equally tempted in the same ways by the same things. Um, and I don't think we can totally get away from it. <clears throat> That's impossible. Hmm. Um, you, we, I referenced the quote by Martin Luther, which I think is really helpful, where he said, you know, uh, we cannot stop birds from flying over our heads, but we can stop them from making a nest in our hair. Yeah. I love that idea. And so I think what we need to think about is what what's appropriate for me to keep the birds from making a nest in my hair? Do I know my own vulnerabilities and am I addressing those? That's sort of playing defense. And then am I also acting offensively as well? Um, there's, I think there needs to be a defense and an offensive strategy to dealing with the bombardment of uh, lustful images that surround us um, in a regular yeah. on a regular basis. So, um, what do you think about that, Caleb? What would be some maybe the way of thinking about that defensive and offensive kind of uh, strategies in the battle? Yeah, uh, completely agree. You got to play both sides of that ball. Um, so we avoid as much as is possible and reasonable. You know the sites and situations that can tempt us to, right. to lust. Yeah. Um, and this is a biblical strategy. So 2 Timothy 2 says, flee youthful passions and pursue righteousness or make no provision for the flesh right. to mm -hmm. gratify its desires. That's Romans 13. But we can't completely avoid, so we're going to need to play offense too. I think part of the, uh, the defense too, part of the, uh, the uh, you know, that, that part of the strategy is to say no to every lustful thought. And mm -hmm. we tell our guys in Freedom Group, do it in five seconds. You don't mm -hmm. have it longer than five seconds. 
uh, you strike fast and you strike hard mm-hmm. uh, because you you don't have more than five seconds. Yeah. So uh, resist the devil and he'll flee from you is what right. James uh, 4 says. So that's the defensive part. But healthy sexuality concerns what we pursue, not just what we avoid. Yeah. And uh, mm-hmm. you talked about this a lot in in your sermon, um, there's something called the expulsive power of a new affection. Uh, basically, we, we can't uh, we can't just play defense. We gotta we gotta pursue right. something that's superior. We yeah. gotta pursue, pursue a, a superior promise because sin is is promising something. So mm-hmm. uh, we gotta fight fire with fire uh, uh, and attack the promises of sin with the promises of Christ. So I think this is one reason. Um, it's so important to read the Bible and meditate in the Bible and mm-hmm. memorize the Bible we, because we got to stockpile our minds with mm-hmm. superior promises yeah, uh, really and, and pleasures and, and mainly of Jesus. So yeah. um, I think that's part of it. And uh, yeah, so we got we to gotta turn to something superior, something better, and then hold on to that thing. Yeah. Um, uh, hold on to it like, like our life's depending on it. Yeah. Um, and I think I think the, the you know this is a worship deal. The battle of lust is a uh, uh, is a worship. If, if we're struggling with lust, it's a worship problem. Uh, what do you mean so, by that? But can you flesh that out a little bit? Um, well, uh, you, you you said something. You had a quote in your sermon: uh, "Every man that knocks on the door of a brothel is searching for God." So. Yeah. Um, you know, usually, usually I think lust feels so powerful because we we're looking for a refuge, or we're mm-hmm. looking for yeah. the promise of pleasure. We're look, we're looking to not be lonely anymore, yeah. Yeah. and so we're really putting our trust, our hope, our our affections on something uh, when we when we lost. Uh-huh. Uh, but so this is a battle for worship. We we got to find our, something else to worship, uh, uh-huh. which of course uh, God made us to worship Him mm. and. Uh, so, um, yeah, uh, that's, that's why I think the, the cultivating delight in Christ is such a big part of uh, fighting against lust. This is the mm. offense yeah. on yeah. this battle. That's really good. That is good. Really helpful. Um, we had kind of uh, a similar question. It was pretty well linked, but uh, basically the person was saying, you know, I used to live that life. I used to... Uh, just indulge in the pleasures of the flesh. I used to, um, you know, be basically in pornography. I was, um, you know, obviously not uh, going into details about what their former life was like before they met Christ. But, um, you know, they lived a life that was sexually immoral and and they came to Christ and are now just hoping to continue to walk in freedom. Um, and, and they, they express concern over, over experiencing temptation and, you know, how do we guard ourselves from temptation and, and the thoughts that sometimes say, you know, that former life was actually pretty good. Um, you know, those things that I used to do were actually pretty fulfilling. Uh, and how do we maintain our focus on Christ when we've already lived that life and we're trying to maintain our walking in freedom, um, you know, they mentioned that they acknowledge the sin of their heart, and when they when they become tempted and start to linger on thoughts, they acknowledge that sin, uh, and they ask for God's forgiveness. And they ask, "Is there anything more I can seek out to ensure that the temptation that becomes a moment of desire doesn't happen anymore?" Um, and, it, and it really just sounds like they're they're asking the question, you know, can I have real permanent freedom from this former sin? Yeah, that <clears throat> I appreciated the. Um, the real vulnerability and honesty 
of this person's question because they were saying in their question, which you sort of summarized it, but they went into a little more detail. And they were saying that, um, you know, the, the battle in the mind, and, and it is, lust is a battle of the mind. It's a battle of the heart. It's a desire. Uh, it's, it's, a, it's a desire for something that is uh, sinful. It's a sinful sexual desire is what this kind of lust is we're talking about. And this person was saying that they could remember actual encounters when they were sexually immoral. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't just an, an image uh, on a screen. Right. It was an actual uh, experience they had with a person. Yeah. And so now they're battling that uh, uh, they're battling that thought, and uh, I, I really want to commend this person for raising this and um, uh, and really their desire to fight it and to walk in freedom. Mm-hmm. And with complete respect for this person and appreciation, I, I also want to just say to those who aren't married uh, to listen to this person's example because mm-hmm. what they're saying is that my my sexual lifestyle has. Uh, stayed with me in a sense, and there is forgiveness, and there is new life, and new mercy, and all that kind of stuff. <clears throat> but this person saying there has been a remaining sort of battle in the memory for me, and um, so if you're single and you're going to be married one day, uh, you are preparing yourself sexually for your uh, relationship in marriage right now, yeah. whether it's feasting on pornography uh, with you know in, in an unrestrained sort of a way. Um, and whether it's cultivating selfishness that you bring into your marriage, that sort of stuff. So I appreciate this, but I think it's a, a really good, it's a good, uh, anyone who's listening that's single, it's a, it's a good warning in a sense that we carry our sexual selves into our marriage. Yeah. Um, I think the strategy in many ways is no different. And I don't know if you'd agree with this, Caleb, but I, I think the strategy for fighting the uh, battle of lustful memory um, that, that comes back and that we can entertain that those, uh, those memories in, a, in sort of a current lustful kind of a way. Um, I think it's a similar strategy to fighting the battle of pornography. Uh, would you agree? Yeah, you're still going to have to avoid uh, all, all things that are reasonable and possible to avoid that would, would cause you to think of that, you know, event, that past uh, sin. Um, so I think you got to avoid it. And when those, when those things do come, if it, something's triggered, it's lodged in your memory, you're, you know, the best time to say no is within the first five seconds mm-hmm. and say it, you know, uh, strike hard, strike fast. Um, and you're still going to have to, you know, basically you're going to have two offers. It's the same, really, it's the same game. You got two offers on the table. One, it's not, a, uh, maybe a, something on the internet, but it's a past kind of, uh, it's your imagination, it's, mm-hmm. but it's, it's an offer on the table. Come think, come away and think of me. I'll give you delight. I'll give you yeah. refuge. I'll, you know, this will be, this will be good. I promise you pleasure in life. And on the other kind of on the other, still on the table, another offer is Jesus saying, I'm the bread of life. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm the living water. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, it's it's still a worship thing. You gotta you gotta fight the offensive game too. Where, where am I gonna? What promise am I gonna trust? That's really good. Mm-hmm. Can can I add something to that too? Of course. Like I, I like the the example you're giving of just there's these two offers on the table, and and I think you know it's important to state that you know even for those of us who 
maybe have walked through sexual sin or maybe you're someone who is struggling with it and you're looking forward to marriage or you are in marriage or whatever your situation is, if you're struggling, that offer of, of Christ on the table is there. That's, that's grace waiting for you to turn from your right. sin, turn yeah. back to Christ, and mm-hmm. he's wanting to meet you right now, even in your sin. So there's, there's not a point where you're just permanently damaged goods or anything right. like that. There's always grace ready to meet you when you turn from your sin and repent and turn back to yeah. Christ. So I think that's really helpful yeah, in your absolutely. example, right? So, he, so <laughs> th- this, this man or woman, I'm not sure, you know, they, I think they start off, they're just saying, uh, you know, I confess this. I, I ask for forgiveness. I confess this. Uh, yeah. well, that's, that's a really good thing to do as yes. you think about that. Uh, and you're tempted for that still. And that's, that's part of the Christian life. It's, you know, repentance and faith. I think yeah. Luther says it's, uh, you know, that's the Christian life over and over again, rep- repent and then believe, repent and believe it. It's kind of like the two pedals on a bicycle. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, I think you could go even farther. You, you know, you say you, uh, you confess, you, uh, you ask God for forgiveness, but, um, Heath Lambert in a book we go through in freedom group, uh, it's called finally free. He uses the acronym car, uh-huh. Uh, to represent repentance. And he, sa- he says it starts off, the C is, is confession. You know, uh, telling the Lord, he already knows you anyway, but telling the Lord, I, I've sinned against you. Kind of the, the Psalm 51, I've sinned against you and you alone, Lord. Um, and But the, this next step would be to affirm God's forgiveness of your sin. And uh, if you look at 1 John uh, 8, 8 through 9, it says, if we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. Mm-hmm. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So there's, there's a command sort of to confess your sins yeah, uh, first, but then there, the next is, is he gives a message to believe. When you confess your sin, God's faithful to forgive and cleanse you. Mm-hmm. So I think the next part is basically preach the gospel to yourself and believe it. Affirm God's forgiveness. That's the mm-hmm. A part of car. That's really and good. then, and then, you just talked talk to. We've been talking about basically forgiving grace, asking for it, affirming it. You got to move into requesting. That's the R. Requesting mm-hmm. God's uh, grace to change. Yeah. Uh, God requesting God's uh, transforming grace. Uh, James four says, you know, we do not have because we don't ask. So. Yeah, I just say, do that, friends, confess, but then affirm God's forgiven you. Right. If you're in Christ, you are forgiven. And and then request him for help to fight this, to see Jesus as a superior pleasure. And then I would add, I would add one thing to yeah. Heath Lambert. I would say, I would say car A, <clears throat> act. Uh, that whole Philippians 2, act the miracle. Mm. Uh, yeah. You know, work out your salvation with fear and trembling for it's God who both wills and acts uh, yeah. uh, according to his good pleasure. So act as if he's going to give you that transforming grace, that specific need you're, you're requesting. Yeah. What, do you, what do you think that looks like for someone that's maybe in a situation like this who has a past of sexual sin and they're, and they're really trying to focus in on the Lord, follow closely to, to Christ as, as their shepherd and, and trying to maintain their turn away from their sin? What do you think it looks like for someone like that to act? That's a good question. Um, uh, I think uh, a lot of this is going to be internal. This specific person, I think, I think it's uh, a lot of this could be internal. Help me take the better offer, mm-hmm. Lord. Help me see. You know, I'm blind. I'm kind of seeing things murky. This looks more attractive. This, this fan, this this past thing that happened. Let me help me see with real eyes. Real, let me see reality. I need your help. Mm-hmm. And choosing that. I don't know if it's if it's singing a song or reciting scripture. I think also, you know, if, if the person's married. 
uh, acting is help me, cult, Lord, give me eyes for my spouse. You know, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. I, I want to pursue my spouse romantically. Right. I want to pursue. It's really good. I'm gonna I'm gonna write her a love letter. I want to go serve her. I'm gonna go do the dishes in the sink. Um, I think that's Lord, help me, help me. Uh, have eyes for my spouse and then act like he's going to, you know? That's really good. So that's a couple of ideas. I think that's really good as well. I think that there's tremendous hope, the person who's asking this question, that, uh, I mean, it is possible to, um, you know, have have our hard drive, um, if not wiped clean, you know, at least that it's not, uh, that it doesn't have any power, that the memories have any, any sway over us. Yeah. Um, and so there can be the lie, man, you're always going to be enslaved to your past. You're always going to be tied to your past. Um, I think another thing is to do is to look at, um, to celebrate the gospel by saying, um, and, and Paul does this, he looks at what he was mm-hmm. and, and what God has done yeah. for him. He recounts his history. So the history, all of us are sinners and all of us have, um, Send in all kinds of areas, but that so you may have been an immoral person and you may have acted selfishly with others. Um, but the reality is, you've been redeemed from that. Christ has bought you back from that, He's given you new life, He's forgiven you, and He's given you a new power to walk with Him. And so, I think the gospel brings hope that I am not tied to my past, my memories, uh, that they are not uh, going to shape me, they're not the determiner yeah. of my future. Um, yeah. Christ is. That's really good. Well, thanks, guys. That was really helpful on that question. Um, another question uh, regarding today's sermon. Is it okay to masturbate to your spouse if your spouse is okay with it and aware of it? Why or why not? Well, I I just want to commend this person, too. I, 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 I've been listening to your podcast, guys. I've been really enjoying them. I, I hope that I, I just can tell this person feels safe by asking yeah. the question. I'm really mm-hmm. glad that, that they can do that. Uh, and it's a good question. Actually, a lot of people, I think, are asking questions like that hmm, within for the marriage. Sure. So yeah. glad to take this one. Um, you know, it's, it's interesting. We're, we're sitting upstairs in, uh, in Grace Church in a room uh, that in about an hour, there's going to be seven re-engaged couples talking about sex. Mm. And we have a little bit of reading every <laughs> week to kind of prime the pump for that conversation. And so I think um, they, they asked this sort of question too. Yeah. Uh, not exactly with this specificity, but sure. they basically asked the question, what is permissible in yeah. marriage? Yeah. And so uh, I think they give a great, uh, a great answer. And it's, it's, uh, it's more going to show biblical principles, sort mm-hmm. of biblical boundaries, and then help people like this make the decision within those boundaries. So I'd like to just... This is in the uh, re-engage couples workbook, yeah, right? Yeah, exactly. Cool, yeah. yeah. So, you know, couples often wonder what is permissible uh, when it comes to sexuality as a married couple, as Christians. So the book says, there are a few things that are clearly out of bounds and are helpful for framing up the discussion between you and your spouse. Sex and marriage cannot involve others. So sex was designed to be enjoyed between a husband and a wife and involving others, either physically, visually, or even in thought, it's adultery. So uh, I, th- right. this person isn't, I don't think, crossing that boundary. Right. Uh, although it might be, it might, you know, he, he knows or she knows it might be a slippery slope uh, to get there. But they got to they answer that question. Is it involving other other people. So it sounds like they, they're not. Uh, this next criteria is it cannot be selfish or hurtful. 
So we're not, 1 Corinthians 13 talks about not insisting on our own way mm. and that we are to view our spouse as, as more important than ourselves. I mean, that would be Philippians 2. So in marriage, we should create an atmosphere where uh, you and your spouse can express your desires in the areas of sex, but, uh, but you shouldn't be demanding or only focused on yourself. And often yeah. the best way to grow in intimacy is to focus on your spouse and their desires. So... Um, this is where I would have the question for the person is, is you know, the goal of, of sex is physical and emotional oneness. Right. Is this fostering that is, mm. or is this selfish or yeah. hurtful in some way? So I'd leave that the person, this person, this, uh, uh, this friend uh, to answer that question before yeah. the Lord and before their spouse and have a conversation with their, their, their spouse. Yeah. Uh, the, the third sort of boundary line uh, that reengage gives is it cannot violate your spouse's conscience. Mm. So even if something is not specifically mentioned in Scripture, it's wrong for you to ask your spouse to do something they think is wrong. Mm-hmm. Uh, Romans fourteen fifteen teaches that it's unloving to ask someone to do something that would violate their conscience, even if it isn't biblically prohibited. So, um, so that's a category. It, it sounds like they're good here. The wife, the wife, it sounds like knows about it and agrees to it. But uh, I would be evaluating. You know, it, it can't involve others. Can't be selfish or hurtful. Cannot violate your spouse's conscience. And if the Bible doesn't address an area specifically, and your motivation is love, you can use uh, these three principles to discuss God-honoring boundaries for for your sex life with, with your wife. Or with yeah, your that's good. So to summarize, the three principles are, again, can't involve someone else. Mm-hmm. Um, was the second one? Can't, can't be selfish or hurtful. And can't go against conscience of your spouse. Can't right. ask your spouse to be doing something that's against their right. conscience. Sure. Um, I think this, <clears throat> I think that's really good, Caleb. Yeah. I think this kind of question, the person's, and I really appreciate the person asking this. Someone else may have been thinking about it because it wasn't addressed in the, in the, in the text. It wasn't addressed in the sermon. The sermon was based on the verse that says, you've heard it was said, you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lustful intent has already committed adultery with her in his heart. And we made the point that the desire for sexual sin is sexual sin. Well, in this case, the person saying, well, uh, you know, I'm not thinking about a, another person. Uh, I'm thinking about my spouse. Um, and so therefore, uh, I don't think for sure this text doesn't address what that person's asking. Um, and I, I really appreciate your approach, Caleb, because I don't think we should be defining sin where Scripture doesn't. Right. I think what we do in those contexts is we take principles, and you just shared you shared some principles about what is sex for, and then saying does this does this fit within those principles? I mean, I think a couple of others might be as well. Um, you are one flesh. When you're married, you're one flesh. So is is um, is this sort of building our one flesh relationship? Is there a personal connection and intimacy there? And I don't say that presuming the answer is no. There could yeah. be, yeah. Uh, but it, that would be one. Um, and another one that I think is really important, which I think the person does cr- does check this one off, uh, would be that our sexuality is to be shared and not secret. Mm. One of the problems with pornography use uh, frequently, especially among Christians who have a conviction that it's wrong, is that the spouse doesn't know. And then when the spouse finds out, um, there's an erosion of trust, and when an intimacy is based upon trust. So when there's an erosion of trust, there's an erosion of intimacy, because one partner in the one flesh relationship has been sort of satisfying themselves um, sexually um, 
out of bounds mm-hmm. in an out of bounds way, yeah. imagining other people and that sort of thing. So this person says, if your spouse is okay with it, your spouse is aware of it. So this is obviously something that's been talked about. So whether this is right or wrong, and from a wis- whether this is wise or unwise, I'll say it that way, whether this is wise or unwise, I think it's going to be for this couple to decide based on applying some biblical principles. But I will say that what I think would always be wrong would be hidden sexuality, would yeah. be uh, a married relationship wherein there is this um, imaginary, um, a, you know, imaginary adultery, heart adultery going on uh, where there is someone else invited into the marriage bed in the imagination. Right. Uh, and that's being cultivated through pornography and masturbation. Yeah. Uh, that when it's in the dark, it's not healthy. We know, we know that for sure. So I think it's shared. It's not secret. Um, it's one flesh. It's another question that I would ask as well is, um, if it's, uh, if it's permissible, what they're asking, is it the best course of action? You know, Paul says, are all things are all lawful, but are all things um, edifying, expedient? Are they best? Or is, are they the best? Yeah. Um, and so sex and marriage is a gift. And I'm, I'm assuming this person's asking a question because they're separated from their spouse. That's how I'm reading this question. Like maybe they're not together. Right. And so can you do this if you're not together? Um, that'll be for you to decide on the principles. Maybe, maybe not. Uh, but there is a third alternative. Uh, yes, no, or uh, not now, but later. <laughs> the other op- absence makes the heart grow fonder. Uh, yeah, uh, there was a song. Oh, boy, this will date me way before you guys. Reunited, and it feels so good. Uh, sort of a 70s love song. Some of the people are chuckling right now listening to this who are my age. But uh, there is a reuniting of your selves, your entire selves together, uh, if you're apart and can now be together later. It's not an absolute have to. There's no uh, sex. uh, The need for sex is not equivalent to the need for oxygen Mm -hmm. uh, or the need for food. Otherwise, our single brother and sisters would be in great trouble, right? So the third option would be um, not now, but later. And uh, I I would toss that out there, something to entertain and Mm -hmm. and, uh, consider as as another. And and then later, maybe better. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's really good. That is really good. Um, Yeah, I I really like that, Craig, especially considering that there's so many heart issues that could be in play. Um, You know, why do you feel that, you know, and and this is certainly not an accusation or a response to this individual person, but, um, you know, if you feel compelled that this is what you need to do, if maybe you're on a business trip or something, you know, is there something more going on in your heart? Is there... Um, you know, I, I could imagine that there's situations like this where maybe a husband goes away on a business trip right. and he says, you know, babe, can you send me a few pictures or I'm going to be really tempted to look at pornography while I'm away and I'm in my hotel room all by myself, um, you know, and, and that's probably permissible too. But at the same time, you know, there's a question of, do you have an ongoing sexual addiction that was maybe cultivated in pornography and now you're trying to get away from pornography, but now that addiction is just turned onto your wife and, and maybe you're just looking at these pictures and it has nothing to do with oneness. It has to do with, you know, your your addiction and, and she has now become an object of that addiction. So I, I think there's questions to be had there. To, to objectify a person rather than to, yeah. to give. The sexual relationship is one of giving, right? So right. The, the goal in sex is to give ourselves as to please the other, to bless the other. So I think you have to ask, is there an inherent sort of... Uh, um, not only is it making us one, but is there an inherent selfish, self, sure. selfishness versus selflessness yeah. here? 
uh, as well. Yeah. And um, and I might just comment, this wasn't being asked, but now uh, I suppose this could really get interesting the more we go on here. So uh, everybody's like, bring Caleb back when he's on there. Well, it's, uh, it it's, a little, it's a little more interesting. Yeah. I, I would just say the wisdom uh the the wisdom of sending images that you wouldn't want other people to see that, that mm-hmm. I'd be very careful uh, about that you know Russian hackers and all but uh, <laughs> there's just way there's just way too much that has appeared on the internet or has yes. appeared somewhere else that wasn't supposed to be there yep. so I would just say use discretion and caution even if it's permissible obviously mm-hmm. if you're married it's permissible for your, your spouse to uh, to see you, um, but even if it's presumable, it might not be wise, and it, you might not be all that excited. If mm-hmm. uh, I know if some of this happened to where it showed up, something was taken accidentally, and it, I mean, or something was taken privately and it showed up elsewhere, and oh, so I just. No. Uh, so I would just say it wasn't me; it was someone mm-hmm. I know of. Uh, so I would just say I, I would use some wisdom on that, just because yeah. you gave that yeah. example, Jared. Um, I just, <laughs> yeah. I mean, it wasn't a personal no, example. No, 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 it was just you were seeing. No, it wasn't a, a testimony. It was more of a, a great, what if. Uh, that's a great additional, you know, aside little uh, free of charge. <laughs> <laughs> you know, if you don't want a CIA analyst to see this picture, uh-huh. don't yeah. send yeah. it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Right. Fantastic. Okay. Cool. Um, Can I add one other thing? Yes. Uh, and I would just say on this one as well. It's a little bit different from the married person and the single person, but um, I do think the married person, um, I think we can often minimize um, what the Lord does have for us in our physical union, in our intimacy, in our relationship together as a couple. I mentioned this in the message, just talking about um, that sex is a gift that God has created for the bringing together of two lives. And I, I think that all these questions that we've entertained, what about all the images uh, that I'm bombarded with out there? What about previous sexual um, experiences prior to Christ that were sinful that still flood my mind? Um, What about um, this situation, uh, masturbation that the person's asking about? Um, I, I just think that if, you know, we're in a fallen world, but if we could imagine what the Lord in his plan ultimately has for a Christian married couple in being one in him and being one in being known and loved as we are body, soul, body and soul, uh, in being, um, the joy of giving to another, uh, for their, um, Enjoyment, the joy of of knowing and being known, all these kind of things, the joy of sexual pleasure, as he just as he uh, prescribes, and we read about in Song of Solomon. I think yeah. if we could put the that in front of our view, then some of the other temptations, the two choices Caleb talked about, some of the other temptations can be seen a little bit more. Uh, for what they are. They, they don't really measure for what the Lord, maybe not where, uh, maybe we'd say that's not where our marriage is right now, but where it could be. Yeah. And it's it, to cultivate the healthy, to invest and cultivate the healthy marriage relationship mm-hmm. and what could be there is is, uh, is worth it. And as you guys will be talking about tonight and re-engage together. Yeah, I hope so. Really good. Uh, that person had a short little follow-up and asked the question, why is there not a group for men that have a wife struggling with pornography? 
so maybe a support group for men who are who are walking with uh, their wives, maybe who are struggling with pornography. Well, we, it's not that we'd be against this or that this isn't an issue. Uh, Craig mentioned in his sermon that this this could very well be an issue. Um, we just haven't had the uh, ability to offer offer a group yet with uh, uh, you know a leader of the group or whatnot. So. Um, it's, we wouldn't be opposed to it if, if there's enough of an interest. Uh, but also, uh, you know, groups aren't the only way uh, that we can that we can walk right. beside you. And yeah. so if this is an issue for you, uh, I'd love to know. I'd love to know or the pastoral team, uh, someone on the pastoral team would love to know so we can walk beside you. Um, so it's definitely not all or nothing uh, just because we don't have a group yet. Uh, doesn't mean we you can't get yeah. care here. Yeah. That's good. That's good. Okay. Well, Caleb, we've mentioned uh, freedom groups on Sunday mornings and uh, groups specifically for accountability, uh, you know, towards just the struggle of pornography and lust and whatnot. I was just curious, you know, would you, would you maybe share some, some, uh, some of, you know, just a a little bit about how helpful those, those groups have been in the past and uh, maybe just tell us a little bit more about those. Cause I, I think there's probably people out there in our church who maybe haven't struggled with pornography this week or maybe mm-hmm. this month, maybe they feel like they're getting by um, and they're, you know, maybe they're white knuckling it and, mm-hmm. and they're, they feel like they're on the edge, but mm-hmm. you know, they still got this. Um, maybe there's, there's people like that and they haven't reached out for help. They haven't, they haven't signed up. Um, or there might be other people who are just not in the place where they just feel like, man, I'm in the middle of the struggle and I just don't know what to do to, to reach out for help. Sure. I don't, I don't know if these groups are for me, you know, what would yeah. you say? And, and are there any stories you can share of, of, of just people finding freedom? I won't share any stories of, of any, <laughs> any, with any names, with but, names but, and but, uh, email addresses. Yeah. <laughs> um, the, the, the group is certainly for, uh, people who, uh, who've experienced a lot of victory as of late or whatnot. And I just want to continue uh, to grow in this area of, 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 of being a peer man or a peer woman. And uh, uh, I wanted to do that in the context of community. I think the, the basic idea of, of a group like Freedom Group is that sanctification is a community project. Mm-hmm. We, we, we need one another. God uses his, his word and his spirit and his people yeah. to, to change us and to sustain us. Yeah. Uh, to keep us going on a, on a way that we're walking that that's good, uh, so it's for it's for that person. A freedom group would be for a person doing well and just wanting to continue to be sustained, uh, and it would be some for someone who's who's really struggling, who yeah. would would say, "I'm addicted" or "I'm enslaved mm-hmm. to this. This is ruining my life." Uh, so and, and everyone in between. Um, you know, we have no golden, you know, silver bullet. I guess is what what, what you say, silver bullet for uh, for this deal. We do believe that it's it's uh, we we'll seek together, linking arms to worship our way uh, out of this. If mm-hmm. it's an enslavement, or, or worship, continue to worship ourselves away. You know, worshiping the Lord so that we're satisfied in Him and not uh, uh, the, the temptations weak weaker yeah. mm-hmm. to uh, to pursue to pursue lust or pornography. Um, I think two of the main things that something like Freedom Group does for people is it can instill hope. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, being enslaved to, to sexual sin, it can feel so hopeless. I did it yeah. again. I've said this a hundred times yeah. that this was the last time. I think that's yeah. one of the lies Craig said people yeah. believe is this is the last time. And uh, so people can just feel so hopeless. This is yeah. never going to change. Can I ever get out of this? Yeah. Uh, when you're hearing guys in various ways or hearing of their victories or whatnot, or people are telling you, you know, trust in the Lord. He can do this. They're reminding you of the gospel. Uh, you know, hope is instilled. Yeah. And another 
thing I think something like Freedom Group uh, does for people is um, it takes away isolation. Yes. This is yes. a this is a uh, there's a lot of shame involved in this, yeah. we, and it isolates us. Yes. Pornography use and other sexual sin it isolates us, so we're alone and we're. We're 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 uh, not not being encouraged. We're we're it's just all hidden and dark, and and then we kind of believe it's already such a powerful thing to fight uh, sexual temptation, whether it be pornography or whatnot. Um, but the 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 idea that I'm uniquely terminal, yes, yeah. is is just adds on tons of weight to, yeah. to the hopelessness and despair. So uh, in, in in Freedom Group, you're with a bunch of guys who're saying we. We're, we're sinners saved by grace, and it's not okay for it's okay. You know, it's not okay for us to stay here, but we're we're gonna seek sanctification together. So, uh, and you see, get to see other guys who uh, who are struggling with similar things you are, and uh, then you get to spur one another on, and encourage mm-hmm. one another, and confess to one another, and worship together, and pray together, and it's a it's a real sweet time. It's it's yeah. really how the church should should work. You know, mm. it's really good. <clears throat> Ladies group function the same way. Yeah, you just haven't been thing. in those, but, just, uh, no. but from what you've they, heard, they haven't invited me in. No, those, no, appropriately <laughs> so, but uh, it functions the same way. So yeah. uh, it's it's that being known, being in community, and exactly. Um, do you think some people just get a victory, just bringing it to the light and saying, "I need help"? It, that first step, which may be the hardest step, would you say, Caleb, that yeah. there's uh, that first step of being known and asking for help has uh, there's tremendous power in taking? I think that that's step. the hardest step, most frequently, mm. and. And just by coming and letting it be known, letting it be in the light, right? Uh, confessing it as sin is is huge. And uh, I don't know if you guys have experienced that in that in that category or other sin issues. Just right. telling people and bringing it in the light before you know brothers uh, or sisters oh. in, a, in the women's group uh, is, mm-hmm. is huge for victory. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And they and they also have a access to grace as they really are, you know, brother, you know, their, their friends can encourage them in that specifically and, uh, help them see blind spots and just, they're opening themselves up to, well, when we do this, we're opening ourselves up to a huge means of grace of God's mm-hmm. people. So yeah. and you guys try to have connection during the week as well, right? I mean, maybe through texting or something like that, there's a meeting, but isn't there like, Hey, uh, people are available to you if you're struggling. Yeah. So guys, guys, uh, you know, they're, they're uh, tasked with getting an accountability partner, but yeah. also that they have like, we have, have like a group chat where, Guys can say, "Hey, I'm going on a trip. Please be yeah. praying for me and be proactive." Or, "Hey, I'm 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 in the hotel room and I'm feeling really tempted. Will you yeah. please pray for me and check on me tomorrow?" Yeah, and yeah. So that's happening a lot, and guys are really grateful, feel feel protected. They also uh, uh, they'll get something like you know, accountable to you or covenant eyes or whatever, and share that with right. their accountability partner, yeah. and that and that can help as well a lot. Yeah. So, uh, well, thank you, and, and look to Lorianne as well. Thank we thank her as well for what uh, you guys are doing to provide groups and help. And uh, you know, we can't put the slide up here, but if you contact Caleb or Lorianne, um, and uh, either one of them can help you to uh, get in a group and yeah. uh, get some help. And there have been people that are uh, just uh, feel like they're the, a burden has been lifted in so many ways, and they're walking in a freedom of uh, hence the name Uh, they're walking in a freedom (laughs) of uh, uh, that comes in Christ it's really good well hey as we're closing up our conversation here do you guys have any resources that you would suggest to people who are maybe struggling with with lust or pornography or or uh, just sexuality maybe um, I, I don't know I mean, I would I would say anything that deepens your delight in God. I, I wouldn't want to just go specifically with like books on pornography or lust alone, mm. because I think anything that 
uh, you know, helps you cultivate uh, 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 prizing Jesus yeah. uh, will help here. But there's, there's, yeah. uh, we use a book called Finally Free by Heath Lambert in our uh, freedom groups. And uh, Tim Chester's written a good one uh, called Closing the Window. Mm. I, I've been probably, personally, I've been most helped by, by John Piper's Future Grace. The, mm. He has a chapter or two on, on lust, and, uh, but that, that's, you know, that book isn't about lust in particular, but uh, it, it was, that, that book was super helpful for me. But um, mm. yeah, there's lots of good resources out there. Those are a few of them. And then if you, if you are struggling with this, I think uh, Big Steps, Telling Someone Else, and, uh, and then and doing something like Covenant Eyes or Accountable to, you, to Me, we, we have a deal. If you, if you want to use Accountable to Me, just let us know. We can get you a, a discounted rate. Uh, but that, that's helpful too because someone, someone's, you know, you're putting it on your phone, all your devices, and asking someone to, uh, to keep an eye on you. Yeah, so that's, that's another good resource. Very good. Very helpful. Well, thanks, guys. Um, as we're closing up, just a reminder that uh, you can text in during the sermon if you have any questions in response to the sermon on Sunday mornings to 469-573-2920, and we'll do our best to answer those questions here. Uh, thanks, Caleb, for being here, man. This is yes. really fun to have you thanks on. For and, uh, I'm we fans. I'm fans of you guys' podcast. Well, so it's good yeah, that's cool. Fantastic. Well, we're looking job. forward to the next uh, juicy podcast that you can be a part of, huh? Looking forward to it too. <laughs> Looking forward to it too. Invite me back. Oh my goodness. All right. Well, thanks, Craig. As yeah, always, thank you, this man. has been good. Thanks, Merry Christmas, guys. Yeah, same to you, buddy. <laughs> All right. We'll see you guys next week. Bye bye.